Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Mace Martinez, and today we are joined by a man that needs no introduction, UFC legend, tough winner, Hall of Famer, Diego the Nightmare Sanchez. It's an honor to be talking with you, and thank you so much for joining us right now. Thank you, too. I appreciate the offer. I'm Jack Kennedy. And they hit a lot harder, in my opinion, too. Mace Martinez. He put Aldo stiff in 13 seconds before Bruce Buffer could even plant his ass in his seat. I'm Keelan McNamara. He is here to stay. And I see him being a huge problem. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. So, Diego, the first thing I wanted to kind of mention is that you're an inspiration to so many people. Uh, you, you, So many fans across the world look up to you. You've, uh, you, you inspire Mace and I and everything. It's just you have such a great fan base uh, across the world. What are some of your best experiences that you've had with fans throughout your career? You know, that's a great question. And uh, it's hard to dial it in because I've had so many great experiences with so many different fans from the, the great kind people of, of, of Montreal, Canada, to, to the awesome people of Mexico City, you know, to all over the world and different cultures, different fans, different people. But um, I've had so many great experiences. My favorite was the people of Mexico City, just uh, the energy that I felt out there. It, it was amazing. And that was my favorite. Awesome. So, Diego, you got some competition coming up. I think February 6th against Jake Shields, uh, High Rollers for Jiu-Jitsu, I guess, in Las Vegas. Uh, so I, I read that the winner of this gets a, a literal pound of marijuana and also a belt. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on the matchup with Jake Shields and what do you think of the prizes? Um, you know what? It, 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 it is what it is. And um, the prizes, they, they differ from different um, different people have different um, different deals you know, and uh, my deal is a private deal. You know, that's my business and I like to keep my business private. But uh, mm-hmm. High Rollers, I, I, I love doing business with them. Uh, Wiz Khalifa is going to be there. Tyron Woodley, uh, Big Lon is Wiz Khalifa's manager and uh, he started the company Mighty Matt from Las Vegas. They got the, the High Rollers. They got their own, they got their own event, their own venue. It's, uh, they're doing some big things and um, with all the medicinal marijuana in uh, California and uh, it, it, it's blowing up and um, it's, it's jujitsu and uh, marijuana culture as far as um, something that um, helps with uh, the pains, the pains of, of being um, a competitive athlete. Um, jujitsu comes with a lot of injuries, man. And so, you know, the medicine helps, um, uh, helps get you through those, those hard times. Yeah, absolutely. And you've been in a a lot of fights, some of the biggest fights uh, in the UFC's history. How do you recover? And and not just physically, but mainly mentally going into a fight week following either a massive win or a loss. Well, everyone's different for me. I treat um, every fight the same, every competition, the same to go in there at my best and and the training it's all in the training you know that uh, makes the the confidence you know you, you do the right thing 
you're going to have that confidence. If you don't do the right thing, you're, you're going to be doubtful. And so that's where the real uh, mental preparation comes in. Yes, um, I have some school of self-awareness meditations that I do that help uh, keep my mind and tune it in even better. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's all about the training and, and coming in confident and doing what you got to do the right way and making it to the event injury-free. Yeah, so you mentioned the School of Self-Awareness. What can you tell us about that, about it? And, you know, speak a little bit on, on what Joshua means to you and, and how have you been from it, uh, you know, at this point in your career? Well, School of Self-Awareness is a um, school about awareness and um, learning to become aware about yourself and, and um, the actions and the decisions and how you live your life and um, down to, to, to the basics, and down to the basics of breathing, moving, healing, training. And um, it's, it, it's definitely been the, one, one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. And Joshua as a great mentor, as a, a martial artist, he is, is, he is the best martial artist that I've ever came across in my life. Uh, man, it's taught me some of the best wrestling takedowns to some of the best Muay Thai striking to, um, you know, working my eyes, working my brain, working um, everything. And so it, it's been a transformation for me. And that's what School of Self-Awareness is about also is the transformational process of going inside yourself and, and, and cleaning and healing yourself from the inside out and learning, learning, learning about yourself and learning who you really are. Yeah. And, and just kind of piggybacking off of that, off of that, how do you feel Joshua Fabio has been able to really evolve your fight game uh, since you've been training with him? Well, the number one thing is obviously um, the defense, man, because um, my whole life, I, um, my whole martial arts career, I never, ever was uh, taught to, um, to stand up proper. I was, I was a predator like this. I was a predator, a wrestler, just with my head down. And you know what? You, keep, you put your head down, you're going to go down, man. And um, I had to learn how to, to, to erect myself like, and to become a real true human being and lean on my own spine and I learn how to lean on my own spine or that I could um, see things coming. And I, if something was coming, I would move, I can move knowing that I could move now before it was just go in, go forward. And you know what, if you get caught with one, you better tough that out and you better, better go to the next thing. And so, so now with, with my newfound uh, defensive skills and strategies, um, you know, if you haven't noticed, there's been a lot of guys out there, you know, if you watch Conor McGregor get knocked out in the first round, you know, there's, there's many, many more, many, many other fighters out there that are just getting clearly hurt, man, knocked out and knocked out bad. And me at 39 years old of age and in the last part of my career, I'm not getting knocked out, right. you know, I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not getting finished. And I may, I may be, may have lost some of these fights, but, but I'm not getting destroyed in there. I'm not getting slaughtered. And I, I think that says a lot for, for the defense that I've learned under the tutelage of Joshua Fabio. Nice. And like you've mentioned recently, retirement from the UFC is on the horizon. 
do you have a date in mind for your retirement bout or an opponent or location even uh, preference? Well, well um, you know, I'm heading out to Vegas tomorrow and um, I have a meeting with Sean Shelby. We're going to go over the list of possible opponents, possible dates and uh, possible um, opportunities. And so I'm excited to do that and um, move forward, you know, and just get this, um, this final fight in UFC. We'll, we'll see where it goes. You know, um, if I go out there and uh, I completely dominate and show the best Diego Sanchez ever, then yeah, no, it, you know, it, it brings the question, you know, maybe I will do another one. Maybe I will finish the last two fights out on my career, but in the position that I'm in right now, I have to go and I have to prove to not only the UFC, but the world, my level of excellence and where I stand and that I do deserve to, you know, and cause I do have a lot of great fans that are behind me, but I do also have a lot of loving fans who, you know, are like, Hey Diego, you know, why don't you, why don't you step down? Why don't you give it up? Because, you know, they're concerned about my, my brain health and, you know, the, the common person would like to say, hey, you know, oh, that guy took a thousand hits in the head. He's got to have brain damage. Well, the truth is every case differs and varies and the situations, you know, they're, they're, they're all different, different people in different situations. I am healthy and um, there has been some moments where I felt that I did have some possible uh, side effects, you know, uh, memory problems and uh, memory recall and, and certain things, but, um, you know, speech, speech impediments and, and uh, stutters and, and, and lisps. But, you know, as you can see, I'm here speaking with you and I've been able to um, actually heal and get better at speaking, you know? Absolutely. Do you, uh, and, and kind of going off that, do you feel like the, the new way that you are doing defense in the, in the UFC and M in MMA kind of contributes to that uh, new health and, and uh, the fact that you don't have any brain damage or anything like that? Do you feel like that new training style uh, has helped you out with that? Well, definitely. If, if I would have kept taking those, those major massive traumas to the brain, yeah, I, I, I can only see it getting worse, you know, and and still going forward you know like I have to be aware of man those guys can really hurt me man and especially some of the monsters I've been going up against like Michelle Piera and, right. and, yeah. and, and number five Michael Piesa you know I, I, I've, been, I've been facing some real monsters even Jake Matthews was the number one fighter out of Australia welterweight and you know he's a young stud coming up to to one from coming up to 170 from 155, he's had great success. He's 26 years old. Piera was 26 years old. Chris, uh, Chris was 20, 26 years old. So uh, out of the five, my five last fights, you know, one of them has been number, number five in the world. And three of them have been 26 year olds that are just super hungry, super talented and um, outsized me by um, quite a bit. So like we, like we mentioned in the beginning, obviously you've been with the promotion for so many years. We've talked about your involvement uh, over the years, but how do you feel the UFC as a company has evolved in the, in the time that you've been there? And, you know, now that you're preparing to walk away, uh, do you think the UFC is headed in a good direction? 
Um, you know, the UFC is um, headed in its own direction. You know, um, I'm going to sit here and, and watch how this all plays out. You know, uh, I, I just understand that um, it's, it's, it's the fight business, man. It, it's the fight business. And, and there's going to be casualties in this uh, sport of violence for sure. And so with those casualties, people are hurt and, and, and traumatized. And that's why I, I say to you, Caleb, you know, like I had to talk with my dad and my dad, you know, about 11 years ago, you know, he tried to talk to me and try to tell me like, Diego, you know, like, I want you to retire because, you know, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to, to have, have these brain damages. And so, you know, I'm, and, and to a certain extent, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of wish I would have listened to my dad, you know, like, because it is a very dangerous sport. And I think that there is a lot of other better things that young men can do instead of fighting. And um, I believe that there was other options for me that, might have worked out a lot better for me. Um, and, and relating back to to your career, do you have a sp- specific fight or, or moment throughout your career that you think shaped you into the fighter and man that you are today? Mm. No, it's the multitude of all of the experiences. Um, you know, I've had I've had my good nights, I've had my great nights, and of course, I've had my bad sad nights you know but um like i said man it it all comes down to doing the right thing and um sometimes you do sometimes you don't and uh, i've been been i've been the nightmare and um you know i haven't only been the nightmare to those guys i beat in the cage i've also been the nightmare to myself with some bad choices some bad decisions and going forward now in the future you know I look back on those on those mistakes and and as I look back on those mistakes, I'm like, you know, maybe I will if I would have made some better decisions, maybe I would have uh, been UFC champion. You know? <clears throat> maybe I would have not got <laughs> 700 stitches on my face, you know, so it, life comes down to, to choices and decisions. And sometimes we think we're doing the right thing and, and we're not. And, you know, so I just encourage all you guys to, to ask yourself inside yourself, you know, am I doing the right thing? You know, is this the right thing for me? You know, let me ask myself a couple times, you know, maybe three times, maybe four times, maybe I really give it some thought and, and think about it because throughout my time and my experience, I made a lot of bad decisions just because I didn't think, you know, being on the no plan plan, just going with the flow, flowing with the go, not controlling the flow. All right. So Diego, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So before you, the legend in New Mexico, the nightmare grew in the 505 in Albuquerque, you know, there was another a legend that was, uh, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico through and through, and, and that was boxing legend, uh, the babyface assassin, Johnny Tapia. So uh, for, for those of you that are listening or, or watching, uh, for those that are not familiar with Johnny Tapia, Uh, gold killer inside the boxing ring. Now, 59-5 record with 30 knockouts. Um, he held multiple IBF, WBO world titles at super flyweight, bantamweight, featherweight uh, in the 90s and the early 2000s. So sadly, he passed away in 2012 at the age of 45. 
his legend has grown so big in New Mexico that Mickey Rourke and Tapia's widow Teresa have decided to produce a movie about the legendary boxer and have chosen you, Diego, to play the part of Johnny. Uh, I want you to introduce the, the name of the movie, if you would, and just explain to us how that all came about and, and just speak a little bit on the honor and privilege, you know, of getting to play a character like Johnny in this movie. Well, the name of the movie is Mi Vida Loca, and what that stands for is My Crazy Life in English. And uh, yeah, the way this came about is, you know, New Mexico, New Mexico love. I, I knew Johnny. He was, he was at my first pro boxing fight. Most people don't know that I have one pro boxing fight um, on my record. I won in a second round knockout. But uh, Johnny came into the gym and he gave me a private lesson, worked with me on some things, tied a rope around my feet and, and uh, showed me a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But he gave me some hometown love. Um, you know, he was at the fight, cheering, cheering from cheering from the VIP section, just yelling and coaching. I could hear him. And um, I won by, by second round knockout. And um, unfortunately, you know, it was a loss to everybody, the whole state of New Mexico and Albuquerque, especially that when, when Johnny, when Johnny passed away in, in 2012, um, I um, connected with his widow, Teresa Tapia and she, had, she started uh, throwing some boxing events. And um, I, I knew uh, someone that was affiliated with her event pr promotions. And um, they invited me to, to go out and uh, just uh, make an appearance, you know. And, and uh, me, you know, being the guy I am, I'm like, all right, you know. And this was, this was two weeks before the, the Michelle Pieta fight. And uh, I... They said, you know, we're going to give you a room up at this uh, Inn of the Mountain Gods. It's uh, Mescalero Apache uh, Reservation in the mountains of New Mexico. And so as we were um, going out there, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do seven mile run, 7,000 feet altitude. And then after I'm done with my run, I'm going to go to the fights. And I'm going to I'm going to talk, um, do some do some interviews, talk about um, how I support boxing and how I support boxing. And not only because most people, you know, they're they're either an MMA guy or they're a boxing guy. And me, like I said, I, I, I grew up watching boxing. I still love boxing. And so I I wanted to do a pro boxing fight before this was before I was signed with UFC. So um, when I got up there to the event, you know, everything went well. Um, I met Johnny Tapia Jr., which was Johnny's son, you know, had a good time connecting, uh, relating and, and speaking to him on some of the wisdom that I've, I've gained from, from my career because he wants to be a fighter and he wants to make his professional debut soon. So in this uh, connection, I, I, you know, I connected with little Johnny Jr., and um, did some interviews with um, the, all the, the news and the media just to, just to help support Teresa in what was her, her debut as a professional boxing promoter, all right? And so this all went real smoothly, but when we got to the event, you know, I was, it was me and Joshua together. And when we got to the event, um, you know what? There were some things that, that needed some help. 
You know, there was like a couple fighters, you know, they didn't have a corner man, you know, no corners. So, you know, we had a, we had to jump in and corner a couple guys, you know, there was a couple guys who, who uh, didn't have their, 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 anybody to tape their hands, you know, and, you know, Joshua just went to work, started uh, taping hands and, and then we started cornering people and, and we, we did our part in, in helping Teresa, you know, pull off the event. Austin Trout was the main event and um, he won by knockout and the event was a success. It, it aired on impact uh, impact TV network. And so, and going from there, you know, um, there was some, you know, you know how I said uh, the, 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 box, the, the fight business, the fight business is, is, is kind of a dirty business. It is a dirty business, you know, and so there's, uh, there's shady things that happen. There's hustles that happen. There's, there's cons, there's scams that happen. And um, this, she, Teresa, you know, um, an innocent woman doing her first, first event, her first show, um she was working with someone who was going to take advantage of her and and was going to um duck out on paying some of the people that he needed to pay in the morning and this is a common thing in 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 the fight industry it happens sometimes you know you the the the, the boxing promoter or, or the fighter promoter that says oh you know um, I, I i owe this guy this guy this guy this guy this guy this and then you know, everybody gets paid usually after the fight, but sometimes it pushes over till the morning. And so we're, we're at the hotel in the morning and, um, you know, Joshua had figured everything out. He's a very wise man and he figured it all out. And I was sleeping because I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I, I had my meal after the fight. I had run the seven miles and um, I was exhausted. And I passed out and Joshua came in in the morning and he was like, nah, Diego. He's like, he's like, get up. And he's like, we got, we got work to do. And I'm like, work? And he's like, yeah. He's, he's like, it, this ain't going down like this. I'm not letting Teresa get screwed right now. And she's about to get, she's about to get fucked. She's about to get fucked over. And so, you know, we, we, um, we walked down to, to the casino and we uh, went to the valet Talk to the valet people. <laughs> hey, we took the guy's car keys. We're yeah. like, we're like <laughs> Joshua had to take him for a walk down by the lake. And you know what? The guy made some phone calls. Everybody got paid. And so this is where it all started with me and Teresa. And so now it's been established. We have Tapia Sanchez Promotions working together to to build some mixed martial arts slash boxing events, even throwing some grappling in, in on the event too, professional grappling also. And so we, we got these events, we, we had some events planned for 2000 and, um, 2020, but obviously pandemic shut all that down. Um, we actually did go down and, and do a boxing event down in Mexico. And um, it was what it was, but it wasn't a very lucrative experience. You know, we, we got an event off in 2020, but, um, you know, it wasn't, it didn't look, it, it doesn't look like we'll be going back to Mexico to throw any fights because the, the, the potential for opportunity and um, making some money, it wasn't down there. And so we're just moving forward. And in this uh, relationship, you know, Mickey Rourke, he, 
had a film that he was filming here in Albuquerque. And while he was filming his, his movie down here, um, he was a very, very close friend of, of Johnny. And Johnny actually, um, when Mickey was going through some hard times in his life, Johnny actually took him up to the Santuario Church in Santa Fe, where it's this holy sacred church and uh, rubbed the, the dirt on him and, and, and prayed for him. And uh, they built a connection after that. And Mickey Rourke ended up uh, cornering uh, Johnny several times and they became close friends. And so this is where the connection came. When Mickey told Teresa, um, I want to go see Johnny's grave. Um, Teresa's like, Diego, uh, Mickey wants to go see Johnny's grave. I was already friends with Mickey too. I had been talking to Mickey on social media for about three years privately. And so, you know, um, it, well, shit, three years, all the way back to 2013. Mickey hit me up in 2013 after the Gilbert Melendez fight. And he just wanted to congratulate me and, and, and tell me how, um, you know, the, the heart I displayed in that fight. And he just, he was, he was even, even, even Mickey was inspired by that uh, competitive performance, being a boxer that he was, you know, he was a professional boxer himself. And so, you know, um, our relationship continued to grow and, and Teresa, you know, she, um, she pitched the idea at, um, at Mickey because she knows, you know, she, she wants, she wants uh, somebody who could really relate to Johnny. And um, I, in a lot of ways I can relate to Johnny with um, the traumas of the ring, the traumas of the, uh, of, 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 of being a combative athlete in the highest uh, forms and even with uh, addictions and, and everything. So, you know, she, they, they, didn't, they didn't feel like an actor could portray the New Mexican, you know, because New Mexico is a, a different kind of place. It's, uh, you know, we're the poorest state, you know, and, and there's not a lot of opportunity out here. And if you, if you truly do make it out, you know, you, you did something right. Yeah, and I know one of the things she said about you, and it, a huge compliment, and I'm paraphrasing, but she basically said that there couldn't, there isn't a better person to play Johnny, uh, other than you, unless it was him himself doing it. So that's just a huge compliment from her, obviously. And what does her support mean to you as you as you take on this role? Um, it means everything because Teresa, this was her life, and um, she it wasn't an easy one dealing with Johnny for her it was a hard life and um you know I, I've I, being her friend I've, I've witnessed her have to relive some of these experiences as as this this um all this all of this um talk of the movie and and her doing her own um private documentary um there's 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 a lot there man and, and you know if, if, if you look into you know there's a book it's called the ghost of Johnny Tapia you know, it's, it's, it's a good book. It, it will inform you a little bit on what this woman had to go through with, with Johnny and his addictions and, and Johnny and his, his anxieties and his stresses, you know, from losing his mother at the age of eight years old, you know, and, and never having a father growing up in the gangs and uh, just growing up uh, in Albuquerque, you know, Albuquerque, um, Albuquerque, you know, and, <laughs> 
So, yeah, no, it's it, 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 it's a great honor and a privilege to be put in this position. And um, yes, I'm taking it very seriously and I'm excited to to make this happen any way I can because I don't want to let down. It's not even about any of about being in this potential huge opportunity for myself. It's really the opportunity for New Mexico to tell a story about uh, a very special person that I knew personally. And uh, I don't wanna do his family. I don't want any actor to do his family wrong. You know, I don't wanna, I want his, I want little Johnny, I want uh, Teresa and I want Mickey and I want all of the loved ones of Johnny to, to, uh, to appreciate, you know, the authenticity of what I'm gonna bring into this, this potential opportunity that I have in front of me. Very nice. Yeah, that, and, and that that's amazing. And just changing gears real quick. Uh, and this one actually comes from our our third member who who is not here today, Keelan McNamara. Um, he is from Ireland, and he wanted to know because you hinted at a fight, a potential matchup between you and Conor McGregor, whether it's in the UFC or uh, possibly bare knuckle boxing. Um, does that fight still interest you? Would you still uh, be interested in doing that fight? Absolutely. That's the that's the one fight that I want. That's my, that's my, that's the number one fight that I want. Um, that's the only fight that could entice me to dropping down to 155 for one last time. Um, you know, Connor fights at 72. So, you know, um, we'll see where it goes. All I know is that Connor has respect for me. He stated it in the media several times. And, you know, that, that, that says a lot. And Connor wants to fight me, you know. And it goes back to, to, to the start of, of the beef, you know, when Connor was still fighting in cage warriors and he was, he was going on Twitter ranching and talking about, about Chad Mendes and Frankie, Frankie Edgar and all of the amazing um, featherweights that were in the UFC at that, at that current period of time, you know, Jose Aldo, all of them, you know what I mean? And, and, um, you know, I was fighting at Wutherweight and I'm, you know, the company guy at that moment, I was the company guy, you know, the ultimate fighter. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, Hey, Connor, like cut your shit, man. Like, show some respect for these guys. You know what I mean? That's Frankie Edgar you're talking about. He beat Frank, he, he freaking beat BJ Penn. Like just show some fucking respect, show some class. And so, you know, and so he didn't respond very well to that, you know, saying, you know, he, he'd love to, to slaughter me and, and, and that I was a fat ass and that he'd fight me at 170 any day. And the fight almost happened in Mexico City on 10 days notice. But, uh, you know, Dana White was going to let him let him fight. But uh, uh, Lorenzo Fertitta said, no, nah, we're not we're not we're not giving we're not going to put you in there with Diego yet. So as far as, as, as you go, you fought from 145 all the way to 185. And McGregor's gone from 145 to 170. Is that something you would recommend for for people coming up for younger fighters coming up to try different weight classes? Or, or would you recommend they find a specific weight that they feel best at and, and just make a run there? Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's all depends on the fighter. You know, it depends on the personality and the characteristics of the individual, to be honest. You know, some people need to eat and feel strong to go fight strong. Some people like to cut weight and feel bigger, and that's how they feel strong. So it, it, it all differs and varies, but, uh, but I will warn 
all of the young fighters out there who who are going to cut the weight and 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 deplete themselves and and minimize themselves and and in in, in essentially they're just weakening themselves to to their weakest point as they're as they're cutting this this level of this amount of of weight where that is just you know 20 pounds in, in three days this is 20 some some do 25 30 i've heard i've heard some crazy numbers out there but um if you're in ufc and you have lost the ability to hydrate properly hydrate with an intravenous you you you're not going to recover your brain is not going to recover from this type of dehydration and this is when you see and and, and i know because I did it, you know, not too many people talk about this you know, unless it happened to them the way it happened to me. You know, I got real dehydrated. USADA came in. This is when I was fighting at 55s. USADA came in and then it was like, no more IVs. All right. So now we got to figure out different ways to rehydrate. But when I went to Cerebrum Brain Health Institute in Dallas, Texas, they told me that no matter what, you take that much water out of your brain, it takes about 72 hours to replace it. So mm -hmm. you're trying to do this on 24 hours, even with an IV, the doctor told me, he said, you're, you're, you're not going to be at 100% and you're going to increase the chance of having a worse traumatic brain injury, which is a concussion. You know, you, you take a hard hit, you know, you have water in your brain, you have more uh, more resource resourcefulness to to sustain and take that blow. All right. Well, this is the last question that I have for you uh, today, and and whenever it is uh, that you decide to to call it um, a, a day in MMA after it's all said and done, what what do you want people to think of when they hear the name Diego Sanchez? Mm. That's, that's a good question. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm still working on that right now. I'm still working on that. I'm not done. And um, what I'm going to do in this last part of my career, this is what I want people to remember me by. Not just by the blood, not just by the Gilbert Melendez performance where I'm pounding my chest and coming forward taking shots that I didn't need to take, you know? I want them to see a man that was inevitable, that was, just had the ability to adapt, you know? Man, that's why I've been able to fight so long is because I've been able to continue to adapt and and I'm in my, my final phase of adaptation, you know? Um, in this new chameleon phase where I'm, I'm turning into, you don't know what color I'm turning into for this last fight. You don't, you don't know what kind of chameleons come in this time. And all I know is that, that the chameleon is gonna come with everything that he has because um, this guy right here, he's made some mistakes and um, now it's time to go out there and do the right thing. Absolutely, Diego, and, and and that's it for me. I, I just want to thank you for coming on, giving us the time uh, to speak to you. 
Uh, it's it's an honor. It's a privilege. Uh, Jack's going to close us out, and then uh, stick around for a few minutes afterward. I got a, I got a little something for you as well. All right. Thank you. All right, and this is the close-off thing. Here we go. Everyone, please make sure to like and subscribe. Um, you want to say something real quick? Yes, one more thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody, uh, tune in to the IG. Check out the posts. We got a, a super fight. We got a super grappling fight this weekend. Yes. This Saturday, February 6th. It is going down. Me and Jake Shields, one of the one of the most amazing grapplers that I've ever faced in my life. And uh, we're going to go down. It's for the high rollers, BJJ, and it's going to, it's on Pluto TV. So tune in if you got Pluto TV and if you don't follow and enjoy. Absolutely. Everyone, please go watch that. Like and subscribe on here. Um, you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere can, you can listen to a podcast. We are there. Please make sure to check us out on our Instagram at MMA Island and on our website, MMAIsland.net. And again, it is an honor to be speaking with you right now. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. And you're a classy young man. And keep doing what you're doing and do the right thing. All right. Talk yes, sir. To you. Thank you. Thank you.